Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Scotland Rugby League podcast, brought to you by McEwens. I'm your host, James Parsons, and today I'm joined by Scotland Wheelchair Rugby League head coaches, Jim Dyson and Mark Roughsedge, as we discuss Wheelchair Rugby League ahead of next year's World Cup. Thank you both for coming on. How, how have you both been dealing with lockdown and things like that? Um, well, I've been, um, I've been furloughed for um, a good couple of months now, so obviously I've been um, having to find lots of different ways to keep myself occupied, staying positive. So a lot of it's been focusing on my fitness and my own well-being, but at the same time, we've also been working with the team as well, so getting in touch with the guys, you know, just trying to stay in contact with them, checking up on them trying to really utilise as much of the time as we can. So we've been doing video sessions with them, talking to them, um, questions, quizzes, all sorts of stuff, really discussions in the group. I've, I've been really busy, yeah. So I've, um, I've got, I'm um, privileged enough to still um, still be full-time. Um, so I've got a couple of couple of roles within the, the sports industry. So I've been, been really busy kind of helping um, organisations through this, this time. Um, kind of been uh, redeployed at work as well. So we've been uh, been part of a council. We've been looking at um, supporting the wider community efforts. So things like food parcels and helping uh, vulnerable families and things like that with uh, with some general support. So I've been really, really busy across a number of roles and we've been really getting our teeth into um, the Scotland Rugby League wheelchair project as well. So I've been really busy, probably more busier than ever, to be honest. <laughs> and, and, you know, people... No, no. So you're both new to the role. Um, how have you found getting involved when I suppose you sort of haven't met any of the team face to face yet? Yeah, I think um, I'm, I'm a little bit different to Jim. So I'm uh, I'm brand new. So I'm literally um, meeting the team and getting to the know, know the team a bit more um, in detail through through Zoom and daily, all those types of platforms. So it's a bit surreal for me, but um, really happy with where the squad are and the attitude and the the kind of the way they're they're uh, approaching the things we're putting in front of them. So it's been been pretty surreal, but it's making me really excited for uh, getting the other side of this and and just getting started, and um, getting into a sports hall and and cracking on towards 2021. So it's been been really really interesting. I think what this has done is really challenged the way we've we've been thinking as a coaching team. So we're really having to think effective and different ways of getting messages across, and we're front loading a lot of the stuff we'd probably do in person. So. I think it's got us working um, smarter as well as harder, to be honest. So it's been been really interesting from my point of view, and it's been been great meeting the team virtually. Um, with me, I was um, I've been with I have actually been with the team a bit longer. Obviously, I was announced as head coach coach with um, with uh, Mark a couple of um, a couple of months back, but um, I've been involved. Although I was more an assistant in town, but I was doing a lot of the coaching work with um, Peter Lewis. So I've known the guys for about two, three years now. However, probably not had as much contact time as I would have liked with them um, due to circumstances on and off the field with um, trying to sort training venues out and the lack of direction with competitions. So, you know, I, I've not had as much time as I want to, which is fun enough because I've probably had more contact time with the guys throughout this period uh, in terms of just getting skills and theory stuff across and probably have had before so it is quite um it's good to be um seeing the guys reacting to it so well you know they're really picking it up and i think we've actually made a lot more progress in this three months you know through us doing workshops and stuff like that we probably would have done in the probably previous two years i've been with scott rugby league so, i mean what sort of stuff have you been doing with the players 
Um, so what we've done is we've done a lot of video analysis. So like we'll show them clips, say right what was what worked there, what went wrong, so stuff like that. We've also done a bit of um personality que um, um, questionnaires, which um, Mark was massively keen on. You know, trying to work out the work out the guys' learning styles. I've been trying to do some home skilled workouts. So um, for example, I've been focused a lot on core skills such as tagging, um, passing, just stuff like that. Um, we've also been doing some Q and A sessions, so we've been talking to the guys, um, you know, getting their feedback, what they want to see from the World Cup and stuff like that. And we've also been reaching out to like local community, well, development sites such as Dundee. You know, me and uh, Mark did a Q and A session on Wednesday, and a bit of a video analysis. So we're just trying to get as much face time as we can. Um, I don't know if Mark, you want to add it to to that? Yeah, I think the only thing. Uh... To add to that is we've we've actually um, appointed a, a leadership group um, of, of four players, so we're kind of um, working with that group. So that group are going to be kind of the, the voice of the wider squad, really, and, and a key part of our decision making moving forward. So uh, we've made some you know, some significant gains during this period, and and, and appointing that the um, the leadership group has been key to that as well. So it's it's been a really uh, busy period for us, but I think. We're going to really see the benefits of this the other side, so it's it's really exciting times to be a part of the a part of the squad. Yeah, it sounds it. And and I mean, with the the two of you being sort of joint head coaches, um, how do you balance how your sort of working relationship works? Is it sort of one's more in charge of um, sort of organisational things, and one's maybe more tactical? I mean, do you or do you just sort of see how it goes as it evolves? Well, I think we're both. Um, I, th I think first and foremost, there's a huge respect there between us. You know, um, between us, there's quite a, a lot of experience um, through through kind of different platforms. So I think that's really important to this relationship. So I think we're in a we're in a position where we can, um, you know, we've got that trust and that relationship where we can kind of blanket ideas and and not be afraid to challenge each other on stuff and really stress test those ideas. So um, in terms of a dynamic, I guess we're still working it out, but I think it's kind of we we're in a comfortable place where we can air ideas, merge them and get the best out of us both. Um, so I think it's a kind of, let's get some ideas out on the table and really stress test it. I think that's kind of the dynamic so far, isn't it, Jim? Um, yeah, definitely. I, I think we sort of bounce off each other. And I think we've got, we've got some good contrasting st styles. Like, um, for example, Mark likes to talk out, you know, actually discuss with the groups, discuss with the team and the group, whereas I'm happy just to sit at the side, just take what, you know, listen to what's being said, and then I'll come in with a point, which I think we work really well. Um, game styles like uh, Mark's very attacking in his game plan, while I'm I'm hundred percent about the defense, so that's obviously a bonus. So you've got two head coaches, one one one's good, at, one likes to focus on attack, one likes to focus on defense. Um, so yeah, no, we get on really well. Like an example, there was um, a situation last week where I had this. This, um, I was like discussing how we could maybe change our game plan, probably quite a radical change. And um, at first, Mark was like totally against it, but about after about an hour of discussion and conversation later, we actually sort of fine-tuned it, realised it could actually make something quite successful. Um, but we won't tell you what that is yet because we're saving it for the World Cup. <laughs> and I also I, I read somewhere that you've actually coached against each other at one point. I mean, does that sort of 
help the relationship in that you sort of had a bit of competition between you? I reckon I'm two one up on Mark, so it's up to it's up to Mark if he sees it's a bit <laughs> bit of a competition. <laughs> nah, no competition for me. I think he really helps. Um, like I was alluded to before, I think respect things there because we we've seen kind of what what each other's done with different teams. So you know, I've um, I've been part of the England setup um, for quite a long time. Um, lots of success there um, on a on a real journey. Um, Jim's had a lot of success domestically as well, taking leads on a, on a long journey from kind of um, mid-table to perennial finalists and eventually um, national champions. So I think I think being the other um, a different side of the fence has probably um, you know enabled us to gain a, a lot of respect for each other. So I think it, it helps really because I think we we understand uh, that we've both tasted success of some sort and. Um, you know, there's a want for us to pick off each other and improve. So I think it's uh, it's forged uh, a big respect from my, certainly from my point of view, anyway. Yeah, definitely. And one other thing as well, like um, we've coached, although like different teams, we've actually coached some similar players. So of my Leeds players, probably five or six were in the England camp with with Mark. So obviously we can we can compare how we view different players, which is a, which is always good something to work on. You know, looking at how, say, X player, how we felt they were, so we can also discuss like his different views and stuff, which is also helpful. And you know, you mentioned there the sort of both coached to at different levels. But how how did you both get involved with Scotland? Um, well, with me, what happened was it came about after the last World Cup in 2017. Um, I saw an advert on the um, Scotland rugby league page about anyone want the last can help anyone that could help any possible way. And at the time, I was wanting to get more involved with the game, not just wheelchair. Um, so I dropped the SRL message and I told them a bit about myself. And they said, oh, well, would you like to help out with the wheelchair team? And they just sort of came from there. So I went up for a training session in Glasgow. Really got on with the guys, a great bunch of guys. And I just got sort of got hooked on it really there. And I, I, saw, I saw a challenge. Um, obviously, there weren't. I don't think they were reaching the full potential at the time. So I sort of made it my mission to come in and try and get these guys from a decent standard to a world-class standard. Yeah, so for me, I um, ended my term with England after the uh, the Ashes Tour um, late last year, in November last year. Um, so Jim and Pete approached me, um, who were obviously involved last year, um, asking me would I be interested in, in taking a position up with Scotland. Um, I had a couple of options to go elsewhere, but I think this is a really exciting project for me and something I'm really keen to to uh, get my teeth into. So like like Jim said, I think there's a lot of untapped potential there. There's a real good group of people. Um, some of the perception of the group is a great group of guys, but they're, they're nowhere near their potential. So I think it's an exciting thing for me is is taking them on that, on that journey to being able to perform and compete on the world stage. So... Um, you know, Scotland Rugby League have been really supportive of us, and uh, you know, I, I guess every single person that's been on this podcast has told you the same thing around that family piece. Uh, really, is a tight knit family, and, and people are genuinely there to help, and uh, you know, all, all of that knitted together, I think it makes for an exciting time um, over the next um, just short of 500 days towards the World Cup. So it was all about a new start for me, and and looking at a group of people and taking them on a journey and and seeing where we can get to. And, and Jim, you mentioned that um, you sort of got involved not 
just because of wheelchair at first. But I mean, what is it about wheelchair rugby that's sort of grabbed you and, and is well taking you to the, being the head coach? Um, what grabbed me most about wheelchair is the individuals that are involved with it. You know, some of the individuals, the players, they're some of the most amazing people I've, I've ever met. You know, the stories that you hear about them and the fact that the play, you know, sport. And the, but at the same time, we're not using the disability as an excuse. They're using it. It's, it's just something that's happened to them. They don't see themselves as like disabled athletes. They just see themselves as athletes competing at the highest level they can, which is, has always attracted me to it. You know, there's no one, I don't think there's anyone in the sport that's there for sympathy or that's there to get the, you know, 15 minutes of fame. They're there because they want to compete in the sport. And they want to be the best, particularly in the Leeds set up and, and Scotland were getting it more and more. So it's just the guys that have been through absolute hell. Um, but again, they're not wanting that helping hand. They're just wanting to prove that they can still be the best at what they do. Um, so with, with wheelchair specifically, so my involvement was, was quite a long time ago. So I was a development officer um, over in Kent. And part of my remit was to start wheelchair rugby league up. So in it was a very different landscape in, in 2011. It was still in, in its infancy, still really developing. So what really um, gets me going with regards to wheelchair rugby league is those individual stories. So a lot of lot mirrors what, what kind of Jim was saying. So the individuals, the kind of journeys they've been on, the adversity they've come through, just to try and enjoy um, a game of, of rugby league. And um, back in the day when we started... Um, wheelchair rugby league in the Kent area. There was a there was a guy called uh, Ben Richardson who was keep, mad keen on on rugby of both codes actually, and um, he didn't have an opportunity to engage in the sport in any way other than watching it. He was keen to play. So when this exciting kind of um, um, variant of rugby league turned up, it was uh, you know getting guys like Ben involved is, is kind of what what makes me go forward. And if we can we can have a real good performance on the world stage. Hopefully that'll drive participation um, in Scotland in particular, but but throughout the UK. So for me, it's those individual stories, um, you know, the adversity they've come through and just that opportunity to to enable um, different uh, people to experience rugby league in some format. Mm. I mean, obviously it's, cause it's very different to sort of the standard form of the game where, you know, not, not, not necessarily every player has that sort of, I guess, story and background. But I mean, do you find that when coaching the wheelchair team, because they've got those those sort of hardships, I suppose, that it it it, it makes the sort of team atmosphere slightly different and I don't know, does it make them gel in a way? Um I for me I wouldn't say it's any different from any other rugby league team I've been with. The guys they'll take the mick out of each other, they'll have a laugh, but the but they, they know that they're always there for each other, you know, there's no one I wouldn't say it's any different from a normal rugby league environment. I mean, obviously, because um, you want to achieve more, maybe than some, it's a bit more closest. But I'd say it's more that desire to want to win and achieve it brings them together more, rather than say um, disability or like hard. They've been through hardship. I'd say in uh, in my experience, I guess um, like Jim alluded to, very much similar to most and a rugby league environments. But what I would say, I think that the support network within the group is a lot. Is a lot stronger, which probably makes the group a lot more tighter, because um, there's, there's obviously a lot of lived and shared experience there. So um, 
I think it's probably tighter um, than, than you'd find in, in most rugby league environments, but it's generally the same. And yeah, it's probably that support network and that lift experience that makes them a little bit more tighter, I guess. Mm. And I mean, we've spoken a bit about the national team and, and that you were introducing yourself to the Dundee side. I mean, in your roles as the head coaches of the national side, um, how involved are you hoping to be going forward with the domestic game, sort of looking at Dundee and Glasgow and, I suppose, in increasing the domestic game in Scotland? Yeah, well, I think it's um, for, the, for the national team to be at its best, we need um, the, um, the domestic scene to be really strong as well. So um, myself and Jim are planning to take that role very seriously, so be that kind of sharing ideas, maybe opening some of the sessions up to the uh, community coaches, working with the community teams, getting down there to sessions as much as we can. So we really want to kind of improve um, the domestic environments and obviously that will filter through um, to, to the national squad. So I think we've got to kind of grow the player pool. Um, domestically, we've got to go and try and find players that aren't playing the game currently to improve us. So we're going to take that role very seriously and we're going to be really proactive in kind of helping our domestic clubs um, in a number of ways. Yeah, um, definitely me and me and Mark were from the same background. We both worked as um, development officers at Pro Rugby League Club. So obviously growing, developing a spot at grassroots levels is like massively keen for us both. You know, so obviously we do want to be up there. I want to be spending as much time up in Scotland as I can. Even if it's not with Scotland training, you know, with um, the, the clubs trying to grow the game, you know, because ultimately, as much um, it's going to help us having a, a bigger player pool as a result. Obviously, not trying to disrespect anyone who's played for Scotland, but a lot of the times in tournaments, it has been whoever can turn up gets a, gets a squad number for Celtic and Tri Nations. Like we've gone to a lot of competitions under strength, so we want to um, try and improve that player pool, and we've got to do that by growing. Growing the game domestically, certainly. Um, I mean, there was a point where myself and Pete, which he probably knew the grandparents of every um, every wheelchair rugby league player in the UK, because we went round every single team asking, have you got a Scottish granny? You know, that's how uh, much we were about growing the game. So, yeah, it's massive for us growing the game. I think that just comes from his background as well, being in um, rugby league development. Yeah. And I mean, we'll we'll sort of talk about the the World Cup, um, sort of the and on the pitch stuff. But I mean, off off the pitch in terms of growing the game, um, how big is it for you? Do you think that the World Cup next year is at the same time as the women's and men's tournament, and that every game is going to be televised? Oh, it's absolutely huge. I think um, you know, being on the BBC, um, being on the same platform as the uh, men's and the women's is it's just going to result in more eyeballs on the sport isn't it i think not only are we going to get your typical rugby league audience watching we're gonna we're gonna cut through to new audiences and i think that's key in, in growing every facet of the game so for us it's, it's given us an opportunity to um, to showcase wheelchair rugby league it's kind of eight eight nations um, going at it um, on, the, on the biggest stage of them all so i think if we do a really good job um, and, and all perform to our best. I think it'll, it'll go a long way to um, opening people's eyes and um, exposing them to to this form of rugby league. I think it's a really exciting time for us as a sport, and you know we're really going to have to work with clubs 
as a result of more eyeballs on the sport. It's such an exciting product we've got here. And inevitably that's gonna gonna lead to more people inquiring about joining their local club. And our and our um, challenge as a sport is how do we get those community community clubs ready to create a real positive environment on the back of this World Cup. So I think it's a huge opportunity for us. Yeah, I, I agree. It's massive. Um one of the things I've, I've always had being involved in this sport is when you go to an all so um what sort of teams you coach or coach wheelchair rugby league and they go, Oh yeah, I've seen that on telly and you're going You've not seen it on telly. That's the um, murder ball, the Olympic variant. So I think it's going to be good for it to be on TV and people to actually see the differences between what the, the you know Paralympic um, wheelchair will be and what um, what what we play and um, see how how and also see how replica of a real actual game of running rugby it really is. You know, it's not that much different. And um, hopefully they'll see all the the hits and. The, the, co- the collisions that we we all love about the game, and hopefully give us a, a a really good media hype and not just grow participation but just grow awareness. You know, maybe you know we're used to seeing it in quite empty halls with just members of family watching it and friends. So maybe after this World Cup, you'll get people going down to watch the local club, the local club play, which is going to be massive. Um, yeah, and again, the experience it been at the same time is going to be amazing. You know, going to be going into that camp environment will be great for the players. Um, I mean, for me, it's, it's 20 minutes down the road from me in, she- in, in Sheffield, so um, not as big an experience as say the Dundee guys, but it's still going to be um, it's still going to be really good. Um, from what I hear, it's going everyone's going to be taken care. Of. We're going to have lots of stuff that probably wheelchair teams have not had before, which is going to be great for the guys that go down. And it's something that myself and Mark have really been stretching in our recruitment strategy. You know, when we're talking to people and we're saying, "Look, come to Scotland. This World Cup's going to be amazing." You know come to us and we'll try and get and you can get involved. So yeah, it's gonna be amazing for for both growth on and off the field, for participation and hopefully for crowds. Mark, you mentioned there that it's you know it's an, an exciting product and I think Jim touched on it a bit, but what is it about the actual sport of wheelchair rugby league that excites you? I mean sort of talking about the collisions and things like that. Yeah, I think it's um, it is absolutely the most like for like in terms of um, disabled variant of any sport. So um, because there's, um, there's only five players on a pitch means there's loads of space. So, you know, your typical your typical games, you, you won't see, you'll very rarely see points under the 20 mark. So because um, of the space, there's only five aside. Um, it makes a real exciting product in, time, in terms of attacking. So if you like attacking rugby league, wheelchair rugby league is, is really going to excite you. Um, I think the thing about the sport is it's it's kind of it's it's kind of using all um, of the thirteen aside game, so it's trying to replicate the thirteen aside game, um, sticking a wheelchair and making it five aside. So it's got all the elements of, of rugby league in there. There's sets of posts at the end of the pitch. Um, there's a there's a kicking tee for kicking off. Um, you can kick drop goals, conversions, six tackles. There's collisions. Um, so it's it's very much rugby league, but in a wheelchair. So um, where there's there's a rule in the thirteen aside game, we're trying to replicate that in in the wheelchair sport. So it's very much recognisable. So if you um, turn up to watch a game of wheelchair rugby league, you can definitely see it's a game of rugby league, but in a wheelchair played by five people in a sports hall. Yeah, I mean, even sort of being involved in um, with Scotland rugby league is something I haven't seen much myself so I'm also quite looking forward to seeing it and 
someone I was talking to Graham uh, a few weeks ago about the sort of the how exciting the difficulties of having to steer a wheelchair and also catch and pass and avoid being hit makes it just sort of such an exciting game to watch. Yeah, we get um, obviously you can be uh, able-bodied um, to play uh, wheelchair rugby league as well, and we get a lot of um, talented running game players that that can probably see the gap before the body gets there, if that makes sense. So it's uh, it's a completely different feel to the game. Uh, but it's it's very, very, very skillful and it's played by some amazing individuals. So it's just, I, I, I can't do it any justice really. You just need to turn up and, and have a go or have a watch to, to get a real feel for how exciting our sport is. Hmm. Yeah, it's I find I find it's real weird, especially coming from a running game background, with that first time in the chair, you've got to really train your body else um, to do stuff differently. Like your immediate instinct is when you catch a ball is to run forward. But then you realise you're strapped into a chair so you can't run forward. So you've got to teach yourself to put the ball down and push. And you've got to teach yourself how to pass it again because your timings are just they're just totally different to what to what you used to. So you have to you have to teach it. Um but the guys that pick it up, honestly, are some of the most amazing athletes of any sport, whether it be able-bodied or disabled, across the whole thing. You know, the ability of some of these players, like, um, for example, Tom Hallowell's in AB, he's a fantastic player. His speed and agility in his game plan are amazing. Um, he was from at Leeds, and another one at Leeds that was really good to watch is um, Nathan Collins. He's a young lad, and he's just absolutely like lightning in a chair, and his agility and his ball skills, just he's just amazing to watch. And honestly, these guys are some of the best athletes across world sport not just disabled sport well I, th- I think I think there'll be other people listening that they'll be now even more looking forward to the World Cup next year um and, and Jim you're talking about obviously uh, the the base for the team is going to be in Sheffield um and and you mentioned that there's sort of some opportunities and sort of uh I guess things on offer that wheelchair players wouldn't have had before I mean, what what sort of things would would they be expecting if they made their team? Um, first thing is like one thing that me and Mark are massive and want to create that family environment, that inclusive environment. So obviously, from the moment they've been selected, they'll be part of the squad. We'll come into we'll go into like as almost as I don't really want to use this word considering the present guy, but we'll go into his into his own little bubble, you know. Mm. And it, it's been an amazing sort of environment where. Be guys playing with each other, they'll probably have um, they'll they'll basically be living like professional athletes for two weeks. You know they'll have set schedules, um, gym routines, video analysis, even support for like injuries and, and that. So um, it'll probably be for them guys that are just used to just playing on weekends and training during the week. It'll be the chance to actually feel like that elite level athlete that they are for two weeks. You know, go into these. These amazing venues, it's in the English Institute of Sport at Sheffield, massive arena in um, a very big sporting city. So hopefully we'll take advantage of that. There's um, a couple of not so good football teams that might we might visit. There's um, obviously the Rugby Heartland just back up um, 20 miles up the road. So there's um, it's going to be an amazing experience from the city, in the camp. And um, that's something that me and Mark are massive on, trying to make this the best experience. Not just for us, but for everybody, and that's what I really want to see. I want 
people to walk up and think of the way we carried ourselves out, the way we enjoyed ourselves. And I really want us to be like the most memorable team at the World Cup. Yeah, so just to jump on the back of what Jim was saying, I've had um, a unique insight just uh, into just how big the World Cup is going to be um, through my day job and obviously through being involved with England. So um, my office is based at Medway Park, which is um, host to the annual grand final, so the domestic league grand final, and it also hosts home nations, European championships, etc. Um, so we've held kind of some of the biggest events um, the sport has had. So we actually um, put in a bid to become a host of the um, a host venue for the Rugby League World Cup in 2021, and we actually missed out. And that was because our hall could only fit in 600 spectators, and we were filling that for every every event. Uh, Jim will tell you from kind of the, another side of it just how amazing the atmosphere is there and how they get treated like professional athletes. And we actually missed out to venues such as um, the Olympic Park. So the Copper Box, which hosted handball in the 2012 Olympics, is going to be um, the southern venue. Uh, so that's going to hold one group down here. So that kind of gives you an indication of where the organisers are looking to go. I mean, the final is going to be in the MS Bank Arena in Liverpool, which holds... 10,000 people so that's a huge vision um, that John Dutton and his team have got and you know that that's really exciting for us as staff and, and for the athletes so we're going to be performing on stages that we've never had before and we're genuinely going to be treated like world-class athletes for those two weeks so it's really amazing if you know people want to put their hand up and be a part of that please do get in touch yeah definitely um I know you touched on it there but um with your experience with England previously, I mean, how much of a sort of an edge does it give you having had that sort of World Cup experience already? And in a sense, sort of having had the World Cup experience with probably a bigger organisation than coming to Scotland, I mean, does it sort of give you an edge and things that you can learn from? Um, I'd say an edge in the sense of, so I've, um, um, as head coach, um, I've been to two World Cups, so I've got got a lot of experience of kind of um, how the World Cup will work and and how um, how to prepare. So I've got loads of uh, insight and good practice from from that point of view. But on the flip side of that is I, I can't simply replicate what we did at England and and just drop that into Scotland. That wouldn't be right. We're in different places, the resources are different. But what it does do, yeah, absolutely, it gives me um, you know a bank of knowledge and, and some good practice and. I guess it's given me two dummy runs in terms of what works well and um, what doesn't work so well. So I'd say it's definitely that insight I've had um, through England is definitely going to um, stand me in good stead in, in preparing the Scotland squad um, for the 2021 World Cup. And, and to, talking about preparing the squad, um, so I mean, obviously there's a lot that can change from now until sort of October 2021. But looking ahead at the group, so it's France, Wales, and USA. Have you set targets on specific results, or are you just sort of going there and trying to play each game as it comes? My, I, I always say we're going there to win it. Um, but that comes down to like a simple coaching process of mine that is, you can't enter a competition without the world to win it. We're going to try as best to win the World Cup. We might not win it. That's some that's understandable, but that's. Obviously, our ultimate goal. As a coaching setup, myself and Twig, we have a number of probably more realistic goals that we would like to achieve that we would be happy with. 
you know, but we're going there. We are going there to give it us all, and hopefully we can go all the way. Yeah, I think as I alluded to before, so kind of the, the unique thing of Zoom is we've, we've not been able to literally sit in the same room. So I think what, what's really important for me is that we get together as a as a group uh, and we all have an input in terms of what those milestones are and what good looks like from a Scottish uh, wheelchair rugby league point of view. So at this moment in time, there's no specific goal and I don't want to use um, you know a, a phrase that gets canned around the coaching Coaching scene a lot is taking every game as it comes, but it generally will be taking every game as it comes. Um, so have we got a specific target minute? We've got aspirations, but we haven't specifically sat in a room as a group and worked out what good looks like for us. We've got an idea, but we really need to do the finer detail around that and get an understanding and uh, kind of plan our roadmap out um, in terms of getting to whatever that specific goal would be. So it sounds like a politician's answer, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're, we're working that out. We're working that out. Hmm. Uh, and I mean, sort of talk about roadmap and again, that it's sort of quite a way off. Um, sort of in the build-up to the World Cup, um, obviously with, with it potentially being unlikely that there's any games this year, I mean, what have you got planned sort of for World Cup year in terms of maybe trying to get fixtures and getting the team to be as sharp as possible? Yeah, so we, um, so we will have the, um, the, like the Celtic Cup next year. Um, so that'll be against Wales and Ireland, and we're hoping for some. We'll probably have some friendlies in the build-up to the World Cup itself. So I think we're looking at maybe scheduling two friendlies in in September next year. Uh, we've got plans like we've got a rough idea of how the year's going to work. I mean, that's the one thing we have been probably more confident about planning as opposed to this year. Is next year we can get a pretty solid idea down of how we want it to work. Um, we just wait on the exact exact dates really. But yeah, looking at maybe the Cal- we've got the Celtic Cup to look forward to. Um, it's our turn to host it, so we're looking forward to that. Possibly being in Edinburgh, or if not Dundee or Glasgow. You know, giving the guys a chance, the guys that, that we've picked up that maybe haven't played as much, give them a chance to run out in the Scotland shirt and maybe um, see if there's anyone, you know, we might have not looked at properly or anyone that can surprise us really. Um, so we've got that. We've also got plans for like internal matches. So we might split the squad into into two. So say the guys that are based in Scotland play the guys that are based outside of Scotland just to try and get some game experience against each other, and just to really we really just want to get 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 with the guys as many as much as possible and just look at them and just try and get what myself and Twig want our teams to look like across to them. But we've got plans to spend more time in the classroom as well. So classroom times where we're just going to sit down and talk and um, hopefully a lot of team bonding as well, you know, try and get everyone to gel before the World Cup. Yeah, so we're, we're going to be introducing uh, camps and kind of all-day sessions, which is which is something um, we haven't done in the past. So from from the various teams I've worked with uh, before, those, those camps have been invaluable. So there'll be a number of those. Uh, along the way, lots of internal games, like like Jim was saying. So we've, you know, it's much more. It's going to be much more than just turning up and, and rocking up on a pitch and doing some some skills and some plays and things. It's going to be the stuff we do around it as well. So kind of um, how we knit the group together, um, how we're analysing performance. We're going to set programs in between camps, um, so that they're. They're not leaving the work they've done at the previous camp and not seeing us in for two months. There's going to be stuff in place that they need to do away from camps as well. So they arrive um, in two months' time. 
two or three steps ahead of where we left them in that last camp. So we're gonna gonna keep the guys really busy and we're definitely gonna be busy kind of working out um, individually what, what they need to improve on and, and what areas um, they need to work on in terms of our journey towards the uh, the World Cup in 2021. So it's, uh, again, I'll keep using that word exciting, but it really is exciting. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to it as staff and, and the players certainly are as well. And one thing that's probably worth mentioning, we, um, we've, we've identified an area um, around needing to grow that player pool. Um, so Jim and Pete spent a lot of time exhausting kind of the current player pool um, over the last couple of years. So what we're keen to do is, is reach out to other, other sports and, and host uh, at some point what we're going to call a, a talent transfer day. Um, so we're going to invite athletes from, from other sports just to come and give it a go. We'll, we'll have a look at them as athletes and we might invite them um, in, into that wider squad just to have a look at them and, and see if we can get some uh, good work into them and, and get them and turn them into world-class um, rugby league players. Um, so yeah, there's there's loads of different little things that we're looking to introduce this year that we haven't introduced before. Talking about the talent transfer and how how easy is it or or hard is it to get people from other sports to get into rugby league? Um, it's something we've had a lot of success with um, at Scotland. Um, obviously, like we keep going back to that exhausted player pool where we've actually been forced to sort of expand outside that. So what happened was last year we picked up at least four or five people who had never played wheelchair rugby league before, but were members of the Invictus squad or the Invictus setup and Warrior Games. So we're the same with athletes who, in when they, obviously when they were younger or when they were able-bodied, did play rugby. And so they've come across, found, oh, they had the chair to go to sport and find it easy to pick up. Um, so obviously that's something we had a, a lot of success with. So it's something we're looking at branching out with. Um, so yeah, there's um, at least five guys in the squad that are a member of the Invictus set up who play other sports through that. We've probably got maybe another three or four players who also play basketball. Um, one player I know who plays golf, wheelchair golf, um, and wheelchair tennis. You know, there's a guy that plays wheelchair, um, wheelchair hockey, so wheelchair ice hockey. So yeah, we've got plenty of um, guys bring could bring stuff in. And that's something that myself and Mark are massive on. It's talent transfer, like we've been liaising with GB Basketball and other Paralympic organisations to sort of try and come together and try and work out how we can improve the quality of players and obviously bring in more. So um, guys who might be playing other wheelchair sports actually probably send a better advantage coming in because the chair skills, if you've already got the chair skills, it makes mine and Mark's life a lot easier. Um, as coaches, we you know we we can get anyone to a decent standard of rugby league. So if we've already got that chair skills, that's that's practically half the battle done, really, in my opinion. I don't know if Mark, you want to add out or if anything different. Yeah, so myself and Jim during this time as well have been reaching out to um, various other wheelchair sports. So we've had a long discussion with um, Great Britain basketball about the ideas we can bring in around chair skills uh, and the way they kind of improve their chair skills and their fitness and things like that. So two very similar sports. So we can, we can learn a lot from, uh, from basketball. It's, you know, it's a lot further down the line uh, than we are in terms of history and, and good practice. Um, we've also reached out to wheelchair rugby. So we've been talking uh, to some of the guys in the Great Britain set up there. So there's lots of crossover. We've got a couple of players 
um, that played um, rugby, uh, wheelchair rugby at Great Britain Standard. So lots of ideas we can pick from other sports and, and lots of good practice. So if there's, a, there's players in, in wheelchair basketball and wheelchair rugby that fancy giving this sport a go, then you know, there's definitely lots of crossover and you can certainly add value to, um, to this squad. Yeah, I, I mean, so how, how would a, a, a player get involved with the Scotland setup? So, um, drop us an email at wheelchair at scotlandrugby.com. Just um, mention that you're interested in getting involved with the sport. Um, we'll obviously reply to you. We'll also try and find your local club. So, just go out there, look what clubs are around you. Um, if you can't find one, drop us an email. We'll happily advise you to your nearest club. Um, but yeah, definitely give it a go. This, um, as I keep saying to the guys in the squad, not no one's got their name on our team sheet yet for that World Cup, so it's completely open. You know, we're not me and Mark. We're not close-minded enough to turn people away who we think can help us. So if you want to get involved in a good sport where I'm honest, with you, family atmosphere in Scotland rugby league is amazing, and that's just not in the world, just the wheelchair team. That's across the entire organisation. It's a great thing to be involved with. So just drop us an email. And we'll get we'll be in touch. Thank you so much for for taking the time out to do this, and I'm looking forward to to seeing you both at at the side of the side of the pitch next year. Yeah, thanks for having us on. It's been it's been really great. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you, James. It's been great. And and just to add on to what Jim and Mark were saying there, we're looking to run a physical disability rugby league program for 2021. To register your interest in playing or being involved as a coach or volunteer, please contact info at scotlandrl.com. To see more about PDRL, we'd recommend checking out Adam Hill's documentary, Take His Legs. Thank you for joining me today. Stay safe and we'll see you next time.